if you've been here the past few weeks, you know, Adam has talked to us about how when we talk about resolutions, we want to look at the root word of resolution, which is the word resolve. And resolve is, means a firm determination to do something. And so when people think about resolutions that they're going to do, what they're thinking about is the firm determination to live life better, to live a life that is flourishing. We all have that desire within us. But, you know, that's not just a personal thing. That's a Jesus thing as well. Jesus said, I have come that you may have life, that you may have life to the full. Jesus came so that we can have a life that is flourishing. So the reason why we're talking about this here at Sanctuary is because we believe that when we are living a flourishing life, we are living the life that Jesus invites us to be a part of. And the core verse that we've been looking at in this comes from a time in Jesus's life when a guy goes up to Jesus and he says, hey, Jesus, what is the most important thing for me to do with my life? What is the most important commandment for me to, me to follow? And Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, and with all your strength. Jesus answers him by basically saying, you live a life that is flourishing. You do the thing that you need to do when you love God with every part of who you are. It's not just your mind, it's not just your body, it's not just some little thing. It is every part of who you are, loving God and living that out. That's when we will flourish as people. And so in week one, we talked a little bit about our emotions and how our emotions can be part of this. The next week, um, Adam talked about mental stuff. So talking about how we can train our mind to focus on the things above. Last week, if you were here, you know that Adam talked about everybody's favorite church subject, which is our finances. And that was such a great and challenging talk for us there. And you also heard, as Adam said today, he said that this week we are talking about health and our bodies. And Adam also had to tell us that uh, a star college athlete was going to be here. And so you might have been thinking all week, who's this person going to be? And now I'm standing up here and you're just like, him? Are you serious? Well, I'm just going to, you know, prove it to you here. Oh, just brought little Letterman jacket right here. So just for today, I'm just going to wear, I'm sorry, I can't even, uh, I can't even take myself seriously. Um, I don't even know if that's me. Uh, I think it is. I was told that it is, but you know, whatever. Um, so Yes, I was a swimmer. I swam in college. Swimming was a huge part of my life growing up. It was a big part of my college life. Um, but I'm going to tell you something. I never thought about sw or health in relation to my faith. See, I thought about swimming in relation to my faith, never health. See, I swam because when you're a swimmer, you can eat a lot of food, and it is great. I got into swimming because when I was six years old, my local club team did this practice swim meet where they said, if you win a race, you get a free pizza. And I won a lot of pizzas. And so I was like, this is going to be a really, really good sport. And you can eat whatever you want. It is okay. And so I loved it. And so I tell you all of this right now just to let you know that as I'm speaking up here, I'm not talking to you as somebody who is just a master of faith and the body. I'm not talking to you about a, as a fitness expert who's going to tell you the best way to train. I'm not talking to you as a dietitian who's going to point you to the best diet or the best fad that you need to do to take care of your body. I'm here today talking to you as a pastor who hears Jesus saying, love the Lord your God with every single part of your life. 
and I'm trying to understand what does that actually mean for my body? Because my body is absolutely part of that. So that's what we're going to talk about tonight. And you may be thinking like, hey, how does it do? Like, yeah, sure, I get it in a sense, but let me ask you this question. Um, and I ask you this question because I have come to believe like in studying and reading that really how we take care of our bodies is an integral part of our relationship with Jesus and our spiritual life. So for example, how many of you in here have ever been hangry? A few of you? Maybe, yeah, some of us. I mean, Snickers had a whole commercial line on this, like you're not you when you're hungry. Well, I can, I'm willing to bet that when you're hangry, you're not really thinking about loving that annoying coworker. Or how many of you, you've been to McDonald's and you get that Big Mac and that supersized fry, and man, it tastes so, so good. But 15 minutes later, you can't move, and you're not going to be moving for the rest of the day. Or what about this? How many of you have ever said, you know, I'm going to make a plan to wake up early in the morning, and I'm going to study my Bible. I'm going to start making it a habit of waking up early to pray. And then the alarm goes off, you hit snooze, you hit it again, you go and make three cups of coffee, and then by the time you're ready, it's time to get off to work. I've been there. We probably all have. And why does it happen? Well, maybe we aren't getting enough sleep. Maybe we aren't taking care of ourselves. Maybe we prioritize a lot of other things in our life. Rick Warren, a pastor of Saddleback Church down in Southern California, um, when talking about this, he mentioned people often have the desire to change, but they don't have the energy to change. People have the desire to change, but they don't have the energy to change. I think about it kind of like this. Most of us probably got here today by driving a car or maybe riding in a car. And see, cars have this purpose of taking us from one place to another, getting us there quickly and safely. But what happens if you never change your car's oil? Or what happens if you use diesel instead of unleaded fuel? Or maybe never change your car's tires? your car's life doesn't really last as long as it should have or could have. Now the function of the car no longer can do its original purpose and function. It falls apart. In the same way, I think that, think about this as a, sort of like our bodies. God created each one of us as a full person. Everything he gave us, our body, our organs, all of that, he created so intricately so that it functions well to give us life, to give us an ability to think and to have emotions. But when one thing is off, our body acts differently. It affects every part of who we are. And so when Jesus says, love the Lord your God with your heart, soul, mind, and strength, if we're missing one of those, we're going to be off. We're no longer going to be able to live into the original purpose that God gave our, our lives and also our bodies and as followers of Jesus. And so I think that how we treat our bodies and what we do with our bodies is so important for us as we live out the call to follow Jesus with every single part of who we are. So here's where we're going to go tonight. I want to start off talking about a little bit about a theology of the body and just sort of understanding why should we care about this. And then I want to take it from there to just talk about what are some application points or what are some things that we can think about leaving here. 
So as we get started, like, let's just look at the body. And I think a very basic, very core idea that I think we need to understand is that our bodies matter to God because first and foremost, God created us. God created our bodies. We see this all over in the book of Psalms. You look at Psalms 139, the author writes, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Or again in Psalm 119.73, Your hands formed me and they made me. Or again, Psalms 100 verse 3, Know that the Lord is God. He made us and we belong to him. We are his people, the sheep of his own pasture. So this week, um, Taylor and I got a text message from my mom that had this picture. We can see it up there in a second. Does anybody know what this picture is? Zapdos, I heard that. Yes, let's go. I have some people here. Um, So this picture is Zapdos, and she sent me this. This was a picture that my little five-year-old nephew, Asher, drew this week and put it right on the middle of his family's fridge. Do you guys remember doing that growing up? Like maybe you had a school art project and you bring it home and your parents are like, this is the worst thing ever, but I'm putting it right on the fridge. They cherish it. They put it there for one reason. You created it. I mean, you could be the best artist in the world or the worst artist in the world, but it was going up on that fridge because you made that. And that was something that is to be cherished and loved. When I think about here, or when I hear about God creating us, I think about us as being God's refrigerator picture. That when he sees us, he's like, man, I love you. I am so, so proud of you. It doesn't matter what size you are. It doesn't matter what shape you are. It doesn't matter what physical abilities you think you have or you don't have, what gifts you have. None of that matters. You were created by God, and God sees you as somebody who he loves and cherishes more than anything. You are wonderfully made. I want us to sit here just for a second and to really think about that and think about that idea that you, as you are, were wonderfully made. Because I think when you talk about health and fitness, it can be very easy for us as people to fall into this line of thinking that I need to look a certain way or I need to do certain things in order to be loved. Because oftentimes that's what our world talks about. Those are the people that get recognition, that the world often treats us differently if maybe we look a certain way. But I want to tell you that that couldn't be further from the truth. I want us to know right at the core, you are fearfully and wonderfully made. You are wholly and fully loved by God. If you have 4% body fat or 90% body fat, God doesn't love you any more or any less. So I want us to sit with that right from the very beginning because that needs to be at the core of what this is. God loves you as you are. So our bodies matter to God because we're created by God. But as we continue reading throughout the story of the Bible, we see that God also created our bodies with a purpose. Now, if we look back at the passage that has served as the basis for this series, the person asked Jesus, Jesus, what is the most important commandment? And Jesus says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. 
And now when Jesus quotes this, he's quoting Deuteronomy 6, 4 through 5, which was a prayer that the Israelites prayed twice daily, a prayer called the Shema. And it says this in Deuteronomy 6, 5. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. Now, when you think about soul, that word soul, what do you think about? And if you're like me, you're probably thinking a little bit about like this spiritual, maybe ethereal component of your life. It's kind of like the you within you. And Greek philosophers like Socrates or Pluto, or Plato, Pluto, um, great planet, kind of, um, Pluto, Plato talked about the soul as being sort of the essence within you that controls the way you think, controls the way you feel and you live. And the soul is this thing that lives on after you die. But for the Israelites, the soul was something more. The Israelites, the soul didn't necessarily mean this uh, just sort of abstract thing within you. For the Israelites, or the Hebrew word here that's translated as soul, more often than not, refers to your entire being. You, as a person, are a soul. And so when they said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind, they're thinking, okay, I need to love God with every single part of my body, every single part of my life. And the Apostle Paul continues on with this idea hundreds of years later um, when he's talking to the church at Corinth. In 1 Corinthians 6, he talks to them about this, and they give some, cult- or some context to this passage. The culture in Corinth was very much a culture that celebrated one's own freedom, your freedom to do whatever you want, to live however you wanted, kind of similar to our world today. But Paul starts in verse 12, chapter 6, by quoting a popular phrase within that culture, and it says this, I have the freedom to do anything. Basically, I can do whatever I want, and this is how people lived. But Paul says, I have the freedom to do anything, but not everything is helpful. And then again, he quotes it, I have the freedom to do anything, but I won't be controlled by anything. So this phrase, I have the freedom to do anything, was part of their culture. But you know, it didn't stop there. It wasn't just a cultural phrase. It had become a phrase within the church as well. So Paul had started the church in Corinth, and if you read a lot of Paul's writings, one thing that you'll see is very common with him is that he talks a lot about this idea of grace. That when we follow Jesus, it's not about following a law, but it's receiving uh, his grace and his forgiveness in our lives. And so people took this idea of grace and they ran with it. They thought, you know, I'm free to do anything in my everyday life, but that means I must be free to do this because we have Jesus's grace. So whatever we do, it is okay. Grace is you are awesome. Now let's go live our lives. And Paul is seeing this and he's like, guys, you're getting it all wrong. Like, yes, grace is good, but there's something more. See, Paul continues by saying this. He says, food is for the stomach and stomach is for the food. Yet God will do away with both. The body isn't for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord is for the body. God has raised the Lord and will raise us through his power. Don't you know that your bodies are part of Christ? And then skipping ahead to verse 19. Or, didn't, or don't you know that your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit who is in you? Don't you know that you have the Holy Spirit from God and you don't belong to yourselves? You have been bought and paid for. So honor God with your body. So what's going on here? 
Well, first, Paul, what he is addressing here and what he's addressing in Corinth is that the people in the church were feeling like, you know, I'm free to do whatever I want. And so what they were doing is they were hooking up with prostitutes. The passage that I skipped was talking about sex. But where this idea came from is that in that culture as well, they thought you have the body and then you have the spirit. The body has its own desires. The body has its own needs. And so let's do stuff with the body. But whatever you do with the body, it's not going to affect your spirit. It's not going to affect that part of you. So let's make sure we meet all of these needs because this stuff, you know, we need to take care of that somewhere else. And so that's what was happening in the church. People thought sex, you know, that's something that is a physical need. It's a physical desire. So I'm going to go hook up with prostitutes, and that's not going to affect my relationship with Jesus. But Paul, again, is saying, no, you're missing out. Your body isn't just something that's going to be thrown away. It's not something that doesn't matter anymore. Your body has a purpose. Your body is a significant part of who you are. N.T. Wright, scholar N.T. Wright, talks about it um, as, hey, one time I had a student that instead of having a screwdriver would carry around two knives because he realized that he, he had a big knife and a small knife and that usually a knife would be able to meet the same need as like a screwdriver. It could screw in any sort of screw as long as you have the right size. But then one day, his student was screwing in this knife and the knife snapped and just cut up his hand. And of course he hears that and he's like, well, duh, you're screwing in a screw with a knife. But he's like, you know, it kind of works. That's what sometimes we do with our body. We're like, you know, it, it kind of works. Let me just use it here. But Paul's saying, guys, you don't understand. Your body has an incredible purpose. Your body isn't just something to throw away. Your body is something to treat with respect. He says, your body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And the temple in Jewish tradition or Greek and Roman culture, that was the place where, the, where God or the gods lived. It was a place that was sacred and holy. It was a place that people looked to and revered as something special in their culture. But now Paul is saying, hey, you as followers of Jesus, the Holy Spirit is now inside of you. You have become that temple. That thing that you view so highly, that's not that place over there. That's you standing right here. Your body isn't just something to be flippant about or to throw away. as something to revere, something for you to treat with respect and also treat others with respect as well. And then Paul finishes by saying this. You have been bought and paid for, so honor God with your body. As with many things in Paul, he wraps it up by bringing it back to the cross. He brings it back to the death of Jesus, basically saying, hey, when Jesus died for you, he didn't just pay, pay his, give his life for your soul or your spirit. He gave his life for all of you. So treat it as something special. When you hear that, you could think that in some ways that it's just coming across as like a passive-aggressive comment by Paul, kind of like when your parents spend a lot of money on a birthday gift, and you like open it, you throw it to the side, and you're like, I'm not going to wear that sweater, and they're like, you better wear that sweater, that thing's made out of cashmere. You're like, uh, no, nah, I don't really care about that. But I don't think what Paul is doing, Paul's not trying to give us some sort of passive-aggressive comment about taking care of our bodies. When Paul is telling you, hey, Jesus died for you, so take care of your body, what he's trying to say 
is he's trying to communicate how important and how valuable our bodies are to Jesus. He's trying to say, hey, Jesus sees you as worth so much that he decided that he was going to give his life for you. Instead of the cashmere sweater that you're never going to wear, it's kind of like the first car that you saved all of your money up to buy for yourself. Thing that you then take care of and cherish because it's yours. Theologian Richard Hayes says this. He says, salvation can never be understood as an escape from the physical world or as the flight of the soul to heaven. Rather, the resurrection of the body is an integral element of the Christian story. Those who live within that story then should understand that what they do with their bodies in the present time is a matter of urgent concern. See, your body has a purpose. When you say yes to Jesus, God's spirit enters into your body and your body, your whole life, your entire being becomes part of what God is doing in our world. The more we take care of it, the more we can actually use it on behalf of God to make a difference in this world. See, God not only created our bodies, but God lives in us. And when we use our bodies well, when we take care of our bodies, our entire lives can be used to bring glory to God. So what does this have to do with health and fitness? Well, I mean, I kind of just said it. When we take care of our bodies, we are able to function to the best of our ability. We're able to live our lives following Jesus better than we would if we weren't able to do that. Like, no, we aren't in control of how long we are on this earth, but when we take care of our bodies, we increase the likelihood of that, and it definitely makes us more functional in the life that we're actually living every single day. But now the question for us is this, how do we actually do it? And with these six steps in just six minutes a day, <laughs> no, okay, I'm kidding. Um, <laughs> I was going to say, you know, something, but I'm not, but okay. Um, what we can do, I think there are three things for us to do. The first is this. We need to put health and fitness in its right place. Living in the Bay Area, I almost feel like a more challenging message for us is to not work out than to work out. A study from 2018 found that on average, people today spend $112,000 in their lifetime on gym memberships workout supplements, and personal trainers. To put that in perspective, the average four-year public university costs $98,000. That is a lot of money we spend on health. And why? Well, thanks to social media, we've become a culture that worships the self or the self-image. We've taken something that God made and God made to help us know God better and enjoy life with God, and we've made it God. Pretty much one year ago today, Taylor and I were just about a month away from our wedding. And so we were kind of like in the thick of things, of planning things. And a lot of our friends who had gone through this process said, hey, when you're in this, remember, you're preparing for a marriage, not for a wedding. Don't lose sight of the bigger picture. And so we're like, yeah, we got this. But when we were in this final month and we realized that we still had details that needed to be finalized, we still had decorations that needed to be made, we still had invites that needed to be sent out, it was very hard to put our wedding in the right place. I feel like it's often the same way with our health. We know it's not everything, 
But when it's the thing that is glorified, when it is the thing that is all over TV, when it can influence whether somebody swipes left or swipes right, it's hard not to think about it as being the most important thing in our lives. And so if you would be that sort of person that you're like, okay, you know, health has sort of been my God. Health is the thing that I'm thinking about all the time. Maybe for you, something that you do today is try the grilled cheeseburger at the Dutch Goose. It's amazing. It'll change your life. But actually, that's not a good thing to do. What you could actually do is skip a day of working out and receive God's grace in that. I know when I am really consumed with this, I feel like if I don't work out one day, like I feel real guilty. I feel like, oh man, I'm letting myself down. I'm letting somebody down. But skip a day and receive God's grace in that. Or maybe when you're not, or when you normally would be working out on that day, maybe go take a nap. (laughs) Maybe go out with your friends. Maybe spend a little extra time praying or reading your Bible. Do something to celebrate life with God and be okay with it. But now I also know there are some of us in this room who would find ourselves on the flip side, where maybe you need to make health a higher priority. Maybe for you, health and fitness is always the afterthought. Uh, You have work, you know, you are busy, you have about a thousand other things on your plate that you need to do. Um, So health and fitness is like nowhere on your radar. And so for you, maybe what you need to do is just do something. The American College of Sports Medicine discovered that moving your body even just a little bit on a regular basis impacts not only your physical health, but also, also your intellectual, emotional, financial, and spiritual health. Science is finding out what Jesus told us a long time ago. Your whole body is a part of this. Your whole body works together. God created you for a purpose. And while we can't control how long we're here, we can put health in its proper place. And we can create space for us to be the best we can be mentally, physically, and spiritually. And I'll tell you, you don't need to be an Olympic athlete in order to do something. One step for you could mean cooking one more meal at home instead of door dashing or going out. It could mean taking a few 10-minute walks a day. And as you do that, pray to God. For me, I try to swim a few times a week. And notice I said try. Um, it rarely happens. But what I also like to do is Taylor and I would like to go on little walks around our neighborhood. Something to get our bodies moving and to have some sort of exercise. What could you do? If you need a little motivation, find a 5K, maybe six, from, six months from now, and work towards that. Set it as a goal. Start somewhere to start taking care of your body. And now with this, I want to say a quick note to those of you in here who maybe you can't do certain things physically because of a condition, maybe an illness, or maybe something else that's going on. And I want you to know that God isn't asking you to be anything other than the you that God created you. He's not asking you to be somebody else. Loving God with all that you are means being the best you with the you that God created you. It's a lot of yous, but loving God with all you are means being the best you with the you that God created you. You see, putting health in the right place begins by seeing everything we have, seeing our lives and our bodies as an extension of our life with God 
and asking the question, how can I be a good steward of what God has given me? Now, the second thing we can do, that, do is this. Shift your mind to think of health as an act of worship. Now, this doesn't mean that you're singing Hillsong when you're in the gym or while you're cooking Brussels sprouts. Uh, it simply means giving thanks to God in everything you do, enjoying life with God. In Paul's letter to the, to the Colossians, he writes this, And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Paul says, whatever you do, do it with Jesus. And so I, I just mentioned that I try to swim sometimes because swimming continues to be an important part of my life. But now it's not about competition. Now instead, it's about uh, really taking care of myself because I hate running. Um, taking care of myself and clearing my mind and helping me connect with God. As weird as it may sound, when I swim, I spend time with God. Some of my best conversations with God have happened when it's just me swimming in the water, just able to focus on me and him. So when we work out, instead of saying, oh, I don't know if I can do this again, what if instead we shift our minds to saying, hey, you know, right now I get to go use what God gave me. I get to become a better person. Just that little shift in perspective can make a huge difference in our lives. A little side note, did you know that sleeping can be an act of worship? It's really nice. Uh, think about it. When you're not getting enough sleep, why is that? Usually it's because you're overwhelmed with life or maybe you're working many, many, many hours and that you don't have enough time to sleep. But when we sleep, we're saying to God, God, while I'm asleep, you got this. God, I trust you that I can sleep because you are actually the one who is in control. So when you go to bed, even if you don't have a problem with sleeping, just get in the habit of saying, God, thanks for taking care of this while I'm asleep. And start making something as simple as sleep an act of worship. So whatever you do, do it in the name of Jesus. And the final thing is this, do it together. We talk about this all the, time, all the time, that we were created to live life together. We were created to be in community with one another. And Solomon writes in Ecclesiastes chapter 4, two are better than one because they have a good return for their hard work. But if either should fail, one can pick the other up. How miserable are those who fall and don't have a companion to help them up? A few years back, Saddleback Church in Southern California spent a year focusing on life transformation as a church, and this included their physical health. And you can find a lot of this in a book uh, Rick Warren wrote called The Daniel Plan. And here's something cool that happened. 12,000 people throughout that time lost a total of 250,000 pounds. That's a lot of weight. But now here's one other cool thing that they found. They found that of those people, those who were in a life group lost twice as much weight as those who were not. Now, this has surprised you because I know any life group meeting that I have been a part of comes with dessert or unlimited chips and salsa. <laughs> life groups love food. But yet here in this life group, they lost twice as much as people who are not in a life group. Why is that? 
Because when you're doing things together, when you're living life in a community of grace and support, you're able to challenge one another to be the best person that you can be. As Ecclesiastes says, how miserable are those who, who fall and don't have a companion to pick them up? When we're in a life group, we say, hey, let's work on our physical health together. You can hold each other up. You can encourage one another. You can be a community that helps one another meet their goals. See, when you do it together, you can motivate and help one another. I mean, I personally think this is why things like SoulCycle or CrossFit are so huge. Because it's not just a workout. It's a community. It's a family doing things together. A few months back, I got this Apple Watch. And what my favorite feature of this is that I can share my health rings with some of my friends. And Nick, the guy up here who's playing bass, we like to just shame each other. I mean, I shouldn't say that. But like, we can send each other notes of our workouts and then reply with the cheesiest Apple Watch suggestions for your workout. Like, that was lit, man. Way to go. Put out that fire. Um, like, it's so much fun that we get to do this and just encourage one another and have fun doing it. Like, when you're doing something together, it changes everything. So here's my challenge to you. As we wrap up this series, go to your life group or go to a close group of friends and have an honest conversation about how you're doing with your physical health, but then also include your emotional health, your mental health, your financial health. See, when you have these honest conversations with one another, you can begin to talk about, okay, how do we move forward? You can think about what can we do as a life group or a group of friends to help one another become the best people that God created us to be. You can focus on how can we view every part of our lives as being an act of worship to God. And see, this year as a saint community and as a church, let's resolve to be physically healthier people. See, God created you uniquely you. And he created you with a purpose. He created you with meaning. And taking care of ourselves not, is not simply just a good thing to do. It is something that allows us to know God better, allows us to worship God daily, and allows us to live life more fully. Let's be a people that lives that way and lives our lives giving glory to God. Will you guys pray with me? Hey, God. Um, God, we love you. God, I thank you so much that, man, you gave us these incredible bodies. God, I don't understand half of how my body works, but I know that it does. And God, you are the, the creator of that. And so God, I thank you for that. God, I also thank you that you are a God that invites us to worship you with all that we are. And when we live with you at the center, we get to experience life to the full, a life that is good. So God, I ask that you be with us as we leave here, be with this community. Um, God, help us to be people that loves you with our heart, with our soul, with our mind, and with our strength. God, we love you. In your name, amen.